I've got a lot to say, so let's have a word of prayer and get into it. Amen. Father, we thank you, God, for your blessings, your help. We thank you for your word that uh, challenges us. And uh, God, uh, I ask your Holy Spirit to not leave us without leaving us somehow differently for being here today. However you find us right now, however you found us at the beginning of this service, I'm talking to people and about people, God, that, that have been in church for all their life, for years, or, or people who are brand new. God, however you found us this morning, don't let us leave here the exact same way today. Let something different, let something be different when we leave. Let something change, God. Challenge us, encourage us, motivate us, God. Dig into us, God. Tear us up, whatever it takes, God, so that we leave this place at least some little bit differently than we came in. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about how to own your growth. Now, what we mean by that around 2911, owning your growth is nobody else can do it for you. I can't grow you. God won't grow you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to own your growth. We, we can give you tools. We can give you challenges. We can put things in your hand, in your way, even obstacles to make you grow to figure out. But you still have to own your growth. Whatever I tell you in the next hour and a half, I'm joking. Whatever I tell you in the next 30 minutes or so, hopefully. Whatever I tell you in the next half hour, it is not enough for you to sit here and hear this. You have to respond. You have to accept a challenge. You have to decide that something's got to be different today. Okay? So let's begin. Scripture's a good place to begin, right? Right? That's a good place to begin. Let's begin there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Got a long introduction this morning, okay? So just hang with me right here. Beginning verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Don't just run. Run to win. You know? And one, one thing that's, that's cool about Christianity, about following God, is that unlike a race, not only, it's, it's not only one person that can win. There's not only one person in this room that can win today. But walking with God, following God, everybody can win. You can all win. But still the admonition here from Paul is still important. So run to win. Think about that. You know, if we were all in a race today, one of us gets to win. But in this thing today, every one of us gets to win if we run to win. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Every step. You know, I, I run with purpose, not just... You know, not, not just in the whole marathon race. I run every step with purpose. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Listen to what Paul is saying here. Some of you look up here and you say, well, pastor, he's got it all together. He's got all the answers. I mean, he's preaching the message, so he knows it all, right? Well, I know most of you don't think that, but there's some little bitty sense of that, that, well, it's different for the pastor because he, he, you know, he does have it all together. I don't have it all together. Paul said, listen, I have to, I have to discipline myself because after I've preached to you to challenge you to see what, you know, God can do in you, if I'm not careful, I can still miss it too. 
So, so, so Paul says, I, I have to challenge myself. So here this morning, I want to challenge you. I'm going to give you an example. I want to give you an example of uh, a, a little bit to set you up here, of owning your growth, figuring this out. 30 years ago, it was my, my first, uh, my first uh, bout with physical therapy. I blew out my left knee. Uh, ACL, complete tear, I had cartilage damage, you know, and my, my leg was locked in place, you know, and so had to have all that operated on. So back in those days, I mean, I, well, I asked the doctor when I had my surgery about uh, three months ago, I asked the doctor if physical therapists were as sadistic today as they were back 30 years ago, and he said, it's according to what I tell them, you know, <laughs> and, and so I thought, since then, I thought, well, he, he, he kind of took it easy on me because it's different. I don't know if it's different because it's 30 years have passed or because today's a foot, 30 years ago was a knee. I don't know. I don't know exactly, exactly what changed. But 30 years ago, let me tell you, physical therapy was rough, was rough on me, at least what they did with us. I mean, I'd go to therapy, and you know, my leg was kind of barely moving, you know, and, and I had this, I had this guy who my therapist was about 5'10", about 260, 270 pounds. I mean, he was, he was thick, lay me on his, on my belly, you know, had me raise my leg up as far as I could. Then he put his shoulder in, you know, that, the crook here of my foot, you know, and he just leaned in. And when I was like, oh, that's hurting. He said, okay, we got to push through the pain. And we pushed through the pain. I mean, you know, it was easy for him, right? Because he wasn't pushing through his own pain. He was pushing through my pain. You know, well, things are a lot different today because uh, I, go, I go for therapy, you know, after I've had the toe and the foot surgery, the plantar, and all those, those tendons and ligaments, you know, had to be reworked and everything. And, and I go in here, and, and, and the therapist today, they're saying, now, here's what we want to do. We want to push to the pain and then back off and work on other things. Because what, what we're going to do, because you're thinking, well, they always told me, you know, 30 years ago, man, we were pushing through. The, no, push to the pain. We don't want to injure anything. But what we also want to do is work on the other stuff. So we're going to push to the pain. Then we're going to work on the other stuff so that we, we, we strengthen all the stuff around it. Because if we don't do that, then all the other muscles and all the other, uh, all the other issues and tissues in your body are, are going to atrophy. They're going to begin to wither away. And I mean, I, I could literally, literally, you could stand here. I mean, it looked like two different legs from two different people when they first took my cast off. I mean, there were, now, now this calf over here was getting pretty strong because it was carrying the weight. But this one over here, I mean, it was like, it was just flapping, you know. There was nothing that was there. I mean, you know, and, and because, and so we had to work on that. And it was because we had not worked on it. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the lesson for you, okay. What happens to us a lot of times in our lives we all struggle, right? We struggle different times, different stuff, different things. And then when we get to those struggles, we get to the place of pain, and we say, okay, I can't deal with this anymore. We back away. You know, we, 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 we may push into the pain a little bit, but we back away. But what, here, here's the problem with what we really do in our lives is we focus so much on that source of pain that we forget about all the other stuff around us, and so all that other stuff begins to atrophy. It begins to wither away. Like if we've got problems in our marriage, we work hard on our marriage, but then when we get to a place of pain, say, so, okay, wait a minute, that's probably as far as I need to go today, while we're, but we're not working on the other stuff. That we, we have a problem in our marriage, and, and so we're working on that so much, we're focused on that so much, that, that, that uh, our relationship with our kids begins to wither, or begins to atrophy. But uh, maybe, maybe uh, our, our job 
You know, going to work every day. You know, we're going to work and we've got all these problems about our marriage and, that's our, and we're not focusing on our job or we're not focusing on our, on our, uh, you know, on our finances or whatever. And so we, we get focused on this one thing. So let's take a lesson from physical therapy here is push into the pain but then work on everything around it so you can strengthen that out because if you don't, all the, other's gonna, all the other is, is going to get weaker and you're not going to be able to, uh, be able to handle uh, all the things that come in, which I want to lay out for you here in just a few moments. So push into the pain, okay? Because just into the pain. Back away and then work on everything else. Because if you're not owning your growth, let me tell you what happens when you don't own your growth. All right? When you don't own your growth, and what I mean by that is when you're not doing it, when you're just trying to, you know, maybe you're trying to be like my fourth grade teacher said, and you may have heard me say this before. She said, I wish I could just unscrew your, your, the top of your heads off when you came in on every, every uh, morning and just pour everything in that you need to hear and put the lid back on and send you home. And it doesn't work that way. You have to own your growth. And when you don't own your growth, Life chooses your battles. Life is going to choose your battles. And, 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 you know, when you aren't owning your growth, anything out there can be a battle. You see, when, when you own your growth, it's like you're fighting the battle. Like, you know, I'm not a workout person. I, I, I don't really like to work out for the sake of working out. I don't know what's wrong with some of you people, but I just don't like to work out for the sake of working out, okay? I don't want to go to the driving range and hit golf balls. I want to tee them up and play, okay? Uh, now, now, that's why I'm not a good golfer is because I don't want to just go practice. I want to play, right? You know, when you don't own your growth, when you aren't, you know, fighting the battle like in the exercise room, then when, if you're not fighting that battle, then when you get out, all of life gets to choose your battles then. Anything can be a battle because you're not prepared for anything. You know, so, so when you don't own your growth, life chooses your battles. And your circumstances choose the arena, the when, the where. You see, when, when you aren't owning your growth, when you aren't challenging yourself to grow and, and you're not developing all the things of your life, you're only just focusing on that one little thing that is, is just, I can't, I, can't, I can't deal with the kids, I can't deal with my finances, I can't deal with my job because my marriage is a mess. And, and you just focus on all of that. All this other stuff is falling apart. So every circumstance that happens to you this week, anything can be a big battle because you haven't been focused. I mean, you're, you're weak in so many areas now because you have not owned your growth. When you don't own your growth, your enemies choose the weapons of the battle. Ah, okay, let's, let's think about this for just a moment. You know, because we've, we've got enemies. You know, somebody in this world does not like you. I don't want to bust anybody's bubble, but everybody doesn't love you like your mom loves you, okay? Somebody doesn't like you in this world. And because of that, they, they, they want something bad to happen. Maybe, maybe it's just that, you know, they, they just don't want you to do good at work because they want your position. They just want you to get demoted so they can have your position. Or maybe it's in school. Maybe, maybe you know, you're just a few points of a point behind somebody that's going to be the valedictorian and, and you, or they're behind you and, and they just want you to, you know, to, to just drop off just enough that they can be valedictorian or something like that. It's like, you know, I, I'm not saying somebody wants to kill you today, but, you know, you have some enemies, you know, or, and we do have we do have a spiritual enemy, Satan, and all, demons of hell that, I mean, man, they, want, they want to destroy you in, in a lot of worse ways than your enemies here very physically. And, and, and when you don't own your growth, 
when you're not getting stronger, when you're not doing what is necessary to become the strong person to be able to handle the stuff in your life, then your enemies get to choose the weapon. And they're not going to choose the place that you're strong. If you got one place that you're strong, your enemy's not going to come against you in that place. And maybe you may, may think, oh, he's going to attack me in my marriage, and that's the place that I'm struggling so much. But you're working hard on that. And so in some ways, you may be a lot stronger than you think, and you let all these other things fall apart. That's the place that your enemy's going to attack you. And, and so if you don't own your growth, your enemy also chooses the weapons. And so when, when, when you own your growth, the good thing that happens is the last thing up there. When you own your growth, your preparation actually chooses the outcome. But when you don't own your growth, the lack of preparation also chooses the outcome. So how much you've prepared and what you've prepared for and the strength that you've gotten and, and that you've covered all the areas, not just one or two things in your life, that you haven't gotten overwhelmed with one single problem and focus so much on it that everything else is withered away, but you focus on that. When you, when you focus and, and, and you prepare in that way, then, then, then your preparation, it chooses the outcome. But when you don't own your growth, your lack of preparation chooses the outcome. Here's, here's the reason that 2911, we want you to own your growth. It's because we want you to have an awesome marriage. You know, we're in this together. We want you to have an awesome marriage. We want you to raise great kids. We want you to have a tremendous career. If you're a small businessman or woman, man, we, we want you to be successful in that. You know, uh, whatever, we, want, we want you to get a great education, a, a diploma that you can be proud of hanging on your wall. You know, we, we want you to have those things. We, and you know what? We want you to, to be master over your temptations and over the addictions that are getting. We, we want you to have this. We want you to be there. We want you to get there. And you know, you're not going to get there unless you own your growth. You know, I, I, I don't want you to, to be, be subject to all of these things on this slide right here. I don't want you to every, and we don't, the leadership here of the church, we don't want you to be, to be subject to the whims of circumstances. Whatever happens this week becomes a big ordeal because you haven't prepared. Or, or, or your enemies, that they, they can just pick at you because they see the weaknesses in those things. We don't want those things to happen for you. We want you to get strong enough to overcome those things. You know, years ago, there was a, it was, I asked Brent this week, do you think I can quote Carmen Liccardello without everybody uh, snickering a little bit? And he said, who is that? And I said, Carmen. You know Carmen, right? Some of y'all know Carmen. I mean, it, it, he was just, when I first got in, started in youth ministry, early in my, man, he, he was just the man in a lot of ways. He was just the man. A lot of stuff he taught and said and sang and all of that. I mean, he was the man. Well, I remember something uh, back when I was a youth pastor Quite a few years ago now, he said, I ran into a friend of mine, and I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. And Carmen said, what are you doing under the circumstances? Come on here, somebody help me preach. You are a child of God. 
Your sins have been washed away. His blood is flowing through your veins. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to make you victorious over everything. What in the world are you doing under the circumstances? You're not supposed to be under the circumstances. You're supposed to be above your circumstances. Jesus Christ has already died for that. Jesus Christ has already won the victory for that. You're not. What are you doing under the circumstances? I'm asking this day. It's not Carmen asking today. I'm asking you, 2911, what are you doing under under any circumstances. You're not supposed to be under the circumstances. I want you to own your growth because I want you to live above your circumstances. I want you to master your circumstances. I want you to be empowered above everything that the enemy, this world can throw at you. I want you to be empowered above all of that. That's why we want you to own your growth. Okay? So that's the end of the introduction. And I'm only four minutes behind where I wanted to be, okay? So let me pick it up if I can. So three things. At 29.11, when we talk about discipleship and growth and those things, we break it down in three areas. And the first one is connect. What does connection have, have to do with me growing? I'll tell you, okay? First of all, let me take you some scripture. Romans chapter 12, verses 2 through 6. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. If I didn't have another sermon to preach, I would stop right here and preach a while. But I've got another sermon to preach. Okay, don't, co don't do it their way. Okay, don't do it their way. Here, here's, here's what I want you to get out of that first phrase right there. Is if you are trying to grow and get somewhere in God, in, 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 in any area of your life, and you're not getting there, then stop doing it their way and change it and do it God's way. You know, it, the definition of insanity, right? We've all heard it, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's insanity. But we do it. Here's what I want you to get. It's something that if you, if you aren't growing like you want to grow, if, if you're not having that awesome marriage, kids, finances, job, whatever it is, you're struggling with temptation, struggling with addictions, then something needs to change. You know, if you're still struggling today like you were struggling last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, some of you, something's got to change. You know, don't keep doing it the way we've always done it, okay? I've I got to go on, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul says, I give each of you this warning, don't think you are better than you really are. Go on to the next slide. I'll get there in a second. Don't think you are better than you really are. Okay, next, just get that because he, he finishes this, that thought right here. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Be honest, you know, because here's what we do. You know, come on, I'm, I'm talking to Christians right here. Here's what we do is we look around and say, well, I'm not as bad as that one. I pray more than they do. I give my tithes more often than they do. And so, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. No, no Paul says don't. He doesn't say for us to evaluate ourselves compared to somebody. He says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. You see, what happens when we aren't honest in the evaluation of ourselves, when, when we judge ourselves, the first part of that phrase there, it was on the previous slide at the end, 
When we judge ourselves to be more stronger, more holy, or, or more spiritual, or whatever than we really are, then you know what we do? Is we say, I really don't need the church. I don't, you know, I know as much as most of the people in this room. I don't really need, you know, to be a part of a small group. What is somebody going to tell me in a small, I, I know as much as they know. You know, and, and, it, and that's what happens is we begin, when we begin to judge ourselves higher than we should and we're not honestly evaluating ourselves, and what we'll do is we'll start disconnecting ourselves from the body of Christ. Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. Are you getting this? We all belong to each other. We all belong. I know this is, I know this is a personal thing, you and God. But he also says, we all belong to each other. I'm going I'm to point this out a little bit deeper here in just a second. But you get this. Even though this is personal, it's you, just you and God. Yes, but we also all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Here's what happens when we begin to struggle. We blow this right here. When we begin to struggle, the first tendency for most people is to disconnect. When we begin to struggle, we don't want to talk about it. Come on. When we begin to, we don't want to talk about it. We come to church, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, had a great week. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah everything, like, right? We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal, well, pastor, you know, that's right before church and probably just wasn't time. When is the best time to talk about how things are really going in your life, you know? And, and, and what we do is we disconnect ourselves, you know? It's right here when we get together. I mean, that, this is the time to connect. Say, no, I had a rough week. Would you pray with me today that something different happens? In, God does something in this service to change something about, would you, wait, just, just be in prayer and say, well, that'd be weird, Pastor. No, what's weird is for somebody to say, I'm a Christian, I believe in the power of God, and, and, say, and then just go around lying to all other Christians saying, no, my, man, my life is great. I'm blessed. I'm awesome. I'm wonderful. That's what's weird. Come on, if you believe in it, something needs to change. Let somebody around you know. We, the first tendency is to disconnect, to, to pull ourselves away. But Jesus said in John chapter 15, he says that he is a, is a vine, re referring to a grapevine probably, that he is a vine. And, and if we want to grow, if we want to, 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 to be fruitful, now, fruitful, we, we, can, we can lay a lot of things there, but what fruitful, being fruitful really mean? It means good things are happening in your life. Good things. If you want to be fruit, if you want to have fruit, if you want to be uh, fruitful, if you want to grow, if you want to flourish, what have you got to do? You got to say, these are the words of Christ, okay, but I'm big paraphrasing here, but he said, you got to stay connected to the vine. You can't disconnect from the source of your life. You can't disconnect from, from what is giving you life, what is giving you the sustenance, what is giving you all the nutrients that you need. You can't disconnect from the vine if you want to grow, if you want to flourish, and if, if you want to have good things just being blossomed and, and, and fruitfulness happening in your life, you can't disconnect. But we say, but that's Jesus. Yeah, but there's only one Jesus, right? You don't have your personal Jesus, do you, that you stay connected to outside of us. There's not a Jesus, there's not a Methodist Jesus for Mount Vernon across 31, is there? Is there a Presbyterian Jesus for the Redeemer right down, down the hall from us? 
And then, and then here there's a, there's a this side Jesus, and there's a middle Jesus, and then there's a this side Jesus, right? Is that what it is? So you can disconnect from everybody but just stay connected to your own person. That's not the way it works. There is one Jesus. And when, when he said there that we, we all belong to one another, there is one Jesus, there is one vine. God put us in this family. Jesus died for this family. He shed his blood for the church that is the body of Christ, and he gave us to one another. There again saying it in the scripture of Romans chapter 12 is we all belong to one another. So therefore, you really cannot have great, awesome things in your life. You cannot grow. You cannot flourish. You cannot get further if you stay disconnected. You have to connect and stay connected for all of those things to happen. Okay, how do I do that? I'm, I, I gotta hurry. Let me just cut this off. How do I do that, Pastor? Glad you asked. So here's a little sub how-to this morning in the middle of the how-to on your growth. How to connect. Next Sunday, Christian mentioned it to you just to us just a few moments ago. Next Sunday, choose to join a small group. I don't have to. I need to do a small group sermon right here. I need to tell you about why. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this at you just real quick, okay? You cannot connect like you need to connect in 10 minutes before church drinking coffee or 10 minutes after church drinking coffee. You are, that's not connection. That is, that is getting familiar with somebody a little bit, getting to know someone. That is not connection. Let, let, me, let me tell you the difference, okay? I'm, I'm going to give you just one example here, like in prayer. You know, we, we, ha we have a prayer email address, prayer at church2911.com. Did you know about it? Hope you did. If you don't, get it. You ever have a prayer need, all you got to do is send us a quick one. It goes to Kurt, the director of our prayer ministries. He gets word out the prayer team. They are praying for you like that. Some people are right immediately. will stop and pray for you right then, just according to what's going on in their day. And they'll be praying for you. And if you are not connected, then all they've got is a name. They say, well, that's enough, isn't it? Yeah, it's enough to go to God. I can, I can take a name to God. Well, God knows the need. Yeah, God knows the need, but you did ask me to pray, right? You want it to be more effective, then it'd be a whole lot more effective if you, was con you were connected. You see, because when you're not connected, all I'm doing is I'm praying over a name. I'm talking about the prayer team. They're praying over a name. They're, they're just praying over a name that says they've got this need. I don't know what, God, I don't know him or whatever. But you know what happens when you're connected? You know what happens when you've met one of the prayer team members in small group? You know what happened? They, you know, and maybe in small group, you know, as y'all have discussed, you, you've, you've kind of opened up a little bit and said, you know, this is something that's been attacking my family for the past three years. And then that prayer team member, you know, after small group is even over, maybe even the next year after that, is, uh, that small group has ended and, and, a, and a request comes in like that and that small, small group, uh, I mean, that prayer team member hears that, sees that and sees your name and says, oh, wait a minute. I remember, they were going through this last year and Satan has brought that back around to them again this year. They're still having to deal with that. You know what it makes that, that prayer team member now has got more than just a name. That prayer team member's got some passion. That prayer team member said, said it's time to go to go serious prayer. They're still battling that same battle they were going on. That's the difference in being connected and not being connected. And it goes beyond prayer. It goes in everything else. It, it goes in just understanding. It goes in being challenged. It goes everywhere when you are not connected. That's, what, that's the difference in being connected and not being connected. So I, I, I challenge you Join a small group this semester because you need to be connected. Secondly, okay, um, so we break it down to three. Growing, we'd say only your growth is about connecting, and then secondly, it's about serving. Serving. And as I said in, in, under connecting, that one of the first tendencies to happen when you start struggling 
is to disconnect. One of the second following tendencies is to start focusing inside. I mean, if you start hurting or you start struggling or you start having a problem, what do you do? You're not thinking about other people. You're thinking about me. I'm the one hurting. You're starting to think about me, yourself, you. In two places, in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 6, I knew we wouldn't have time to read these scriptures, but I've got them linked on the Sunday's page. If you go there, you can look at them and you can see the, little, the, the whole little blurb there of, uh, of what, what Jesus is saying. But in two different places, talking to two different people on two different days about two different things, he says, and this is, this is a gist that pulls both these two things together. Jesus says this, that if you want his help in a problem, if you want his help when you are struggling, if you want his help, then you have to focus on people other than you. He says that in Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 11. If you don't believe me, go there and read it. Read it right now if you want to. I normally say, no, wait till this afternoon. But if you don't believe me, I want you to read it right now. He, sa he says, it, it says it in two different ways, talking about two different things, two different groups of people, two different times, two different days he is saying this. And he says, if you want my help, then you've got to quit focusing on yourself. You're going to have to start focusing on, on someone else. Let me give you an example here of how this, how this works, okay? I'm, um, I'm going to give you an example. And I'm going to use marriage as the example when your marriage is struggling, okay? And then whatever your struggle is, you're gonna have to kind of relate it. But I, let me lay this out a little bit. I don't have time to go through everybody's problems in life, okay? But let me just use this one as an example. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna couch it here with this, that how to divorce-proof your marriage. That's a good thing, right? Let's do that. Now, where are you coming from at this pastor? Let me tell you where I'm coming from. I added it up this week because I've been saying over 20 years, so I wanted to add up and just make it sure exactly. 23 years and two months of pastoral experience standing right here before you. 23, I don't, I, not ministry experience, I mean pastoring, doing what I am doing right now. 23 years and two months experience. I have pastored, in those 23 years and two months, I have pastored people who were married and helped them you know, build stronger marriages. I've pastored people who weren't married that got married while I was their pastor. And I've pastored people who were married and got divorced while I was their pastor. And I wanna give you one thing that I see that ties a lot of them together. And this is not something I dreamed up or thought about this week. This is something I noticed several years ago. And I have looked back, and this, but this week I revisited it in my mind. I started thinking about through all of those people, through all of those families, through all of those marriages. Let me tell you one thing. Now, I, I just got to tell you from my experience, okay? I, I'm not telling you based on anything, but I'm telling you from my experience. Here's, here is the best way to divorce-proof your marriage is to get engaged in ministry. All out, total engagement in ministry. Because couples who are engaged in ministry have a higher success rate of staying married and of having great marriages. Now, I'm not talking about Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, who, and you know, they may have, they may have had the right attitude at, at the beginning, but eventually they lost sight of what it was all about. I'm not talking about people who are in it for themselves. I'm talking about people who are serious about ministry. You know what? And, and I'm going I'm to say this. I'm going to say I have, I have never, ever seen one. I've never seen one single family that I pastored who were totally engaged in ministry that they got divorced. I've not, I, I can't tell you one. We're both couples. And you know what? They don't even have to be engaged in the same ministry, but seriously engaged in ministry. Because you know what they're doing? And listen, even, even non-Christian, secular counselors will agree with me on this. is because they are together and their marriage is based on something that is bigger than themselves. And, and my, my marriage, me and David, our marriage, 
It is, it is, not, it is bit much bigger than me. It is based on something much bigger than her. It is based on something that is even bigger than us. Now, let me say this. When you, when you had your wedding, okay, I, I know your wedding was probably all about you. It was all about you guys, you know. And I could argue with you a little bit here and say it probably should have been about something bigger then, even in the beginning, right? Probably should have been. But I'm not going to argue that right now. Let me just say, if that's where you began, that your, your wedding day was all about you guys, it, it was all about the sweet, mushy, you know, and all of that, and, you know, and looking into each other's eyes, you know, and quoting, you know, your, your own vows or all of that, or, you know, and, uh, or everybody chuckling because, you know, you just uh, you kissed just a little bit too long when you did at the end of the ceremony, and it was all about you. Okay, it began there. But come on. If your marriage is going to grow, shouldn't it no longer just be there? I'm not saying that your marriage is not important. I'm saying your marriage is so important, it needs to grow and become about something bigger than just your marriage. It needs to be about something greater, about reaching somewhere else greater and deeper. And, 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 and you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this also. I'm going to make another bold statement right here. Then this is another one that, that I thought about a long time ago, and I've been, I've been really looking at it. I've, I've been really looking at it, and I've been really thinking about it. And let me tell you, uh, this is not, maybe not true for a lot of other pastors. It's just true for this one who has 23 years and two months' experience. Throw that in there one more time just to remind you, okay, before I say this, is I have never seen a couple say, we're going to back away so we can work on our marriage, that that worked long time, long term. If you're doing that to work on your marriage, you know what you're doing? You are focusing on the pain and you're letting everything else atrophy around you. Remember physical therapy? You're focused on the thing, on the struggle. Now listen, I'm not just talking to married people right here. I'm not talking just to people who are struggling in their marriage. I'm talking to people who are struggling in their finances. I'm talking to people who are struggling with the discipline or raising their kids in some way. I'm talking to people who are struggling with temptation, struggling with addictions. I'm saying, I'm saying if, if it's still all about this, let's go on to that next thing. If, 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 if you and your problems are the biggest thing in your life, then everything is a struggle. If your problems are the biggest thing in your life, everything is major. Every little problem is major. And if you are the biggest thing in your life, you know, here's, here's the thing, is if you are the biggest thing in your life, then you don't have any help beyond you. You know, if God is not the biggest thing in your life, then you don't have any help beyond you. That's why you're going to struggle. you got to go there. Oh, let me hurry. Uh, th this upside-down kingdom, I, I, I really hope you're reading the Bible Project with us and looking at these awesome videos, the ones we, we've, we've just seen here recently, this past Friday, from Mark, and, and then we had two in the, in the book of Matthew, the videos we watched. He talks about this upside-down kingdom, okay? And you, you know what this upside-down kingdom tells me about, uh, about us when we struggle? is when we struggle... We, we need to be solving other people's needs, uh, problems. We need to be ministering to their needs. When, when, when we're struggling is the time we need to be reaching out more. Say, well, that, that's, that's counterintuitive, Pastor. You're telling me when I got a problem, I need to go over here and work on Yes. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're talking about when we say an upside-down kingdom. Jesus says, my kingdom is not like this world. Remember Romans, what we read a few moments ago? Don't think like this world. Don't act like this. Don't, it doesn't work that way. The, the way. If you want God's help in something, that yes, when you have a problem, push to the pain, and when you get to that place, okay, that's all I can do, then jump on somebody else's need. 
Then start working on somebody else's problem. You need to, some of you need to make a contribution today to give, give to the uh, Harvey victims or the, the Irma victims that we're going to hear about in the next few days. Or, or some of you have committed to, to helping Andrew and, and, and that team with that project. And, and if you committed to that, by all means, don't you dare back off. You need to, I mean, if you're struggling, and, and oh, if I had time to tell you about that, Mal- uh, that Matthew chapter 6, uh, really to get into it, uh, you know, here's what I, I get out of Matthew 6 is the people that are struggling the most are the ones who need to focus the most on other people instead of themselves. This is what Christ is trying to teach us and tell us we have to get our mind off. We've got to serve if we want to grow. Then how do we do that? Real quick. How, how do we do that? How do we serve even when we're struggling? That sounds like a hard thing to do. Let me tell you, God, it is so easy to serve somebody else than try to fix your own problems a lot of times. I mean, sometimes just going and feeding a homeless person and saying, man, I thought I had problems, right? Or sometimes, man, it just goes really, really deep when you realize you really minister to somebody's need and you, say, and you realize, wow, it, 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 it could be so much deeper. How do you, how do, you do that? You know, there, there's a video that's gone viral, and I've linked it on the Sunday's page, and if you've not seen it, then please go watch it. Please watch it this afternoon. It's less than two minutes long. It doesn't take long, but just the clip I gave. You can listen to the whole thing. I think it's about 19 minutes. And if, if you, you can go on Google and just, just Google search, uh, make your bed every morning, Admiral Speech. And boom, 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 you'll just see the videos will come up of all these people that have posted this, this clip from this video. And this, this admiral, from what I understand, he was a SEAL, an admiral in the Navy, a Navy SEAL. And he's ta- you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the most important thing to do today. He said, you know what the most important thing? Make your bed. Every morning, make your bed. Now I'm thinking, you know, I, I got I to go, you know, if I'm a SEAL, I, I got to be ready to, you know, back, back, you know, when he was in, still, you know, is I got to go kill Bin Laden. You know, or I gotta go stop the war in Afghanistan. You know, I, I've, I've got these kinds of things to do. And this Navy SEAL Admiral, Admiral, says, make your bed every morning. That this is the most important thing. Why? Because it's that one little bit of change. You know, so what, what, what can I do? What can I do to start, just start serving in that one little, and this leads me in the last thing. I said, connect, serve, and grow. How to own your growth? Connect, serve, and grow. We talk about growing in four areas. The first one is prayer. And I'm, I'm going to talk about praying actually how to communicate with God in an upcoming sermon in this series. So I won't say much here, but I'll say this. H- how do I really start a good prayer life, Pastor? Just get up every morning and make the bed. Spiritually speaking, get up and just do what you need to do that day. Just say a prayer, talk to God, and let it grow from there. You, you don't have to pray all those prayers that you have missed all of the years. Just start with this moment. Or, or reading the Bible. And if, and if you aren't reading, this is a great time to jump in. If you go back to Friday's Facebook post on, on the church's Facebook page, you can, find, you can find the video that starts the book of Mark and the readings, and you can catch up two days, no problem. This would be an awesome time for you to do that. And, and you, don't have, you don't have to back up to Genesis, January 1, but just... Make the bed today. Just start today. It, it's, it's not about doing everything. It's about doing something. It's not about changing It's about changing one thing today. Or giving. So, so pastor, you're going to tell me I've got to give to somebody every day? No, here, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. 
I'm going to encourage you every day that you live, every day that you wake up, that you, you, you say, God, show me people that I need to be giving to, somebody I need to help some way, and just ask him to start, because he might not share, he might not tell you somebody today that you need to give to today. He may tell you today somebody that you need to prepare to give to next week or something, but every day you need to be asking God, just like making your bed. God, show me today, as I make, as I make my life today, Show me someone just like Reach. And a couple of weeks ago, I preached on, on, on how to own your reach. Uh, Friday night, David talked about the urgency of reaching people and, and how important it is. And, and again, just, just owning that bit of it to ask God, show me somebody that I need to reach. Show me somebody that I need. You know, it, it's like wearing the T-shirt. Kurt was telling me, he reminded me between services today, about how there's a lady now that's attending 2911. She hadn't been here but just a few times. And how she was here again this morning. And, and, what, and she had some needs over at her house. And, and so he went over to help her. And he had on a 2911 shirt. And she said, what's that mean? And so he told her. So that every day that you, you wear your 2911 shirt, I hope you, wear it, I hope you wear it till you wear it out. But every day that you wear a 2911 shirt, and if you're a church member, you should have gotten one. If you don't have one, let us know if you, you're a member of the church or you got baptized, whichever came first. But every day you wear it, when you put it on, say, God, let the right person see this 2911 logo and ask me what that means. So that I can say, that's the name of my church because Jeremiah 2911 says God has an awesome dream plan for your life. And my church dares you to live the dream that God has for you. And just pray, God, let's, let the right person see this. You know, it, it, it's not being Billy Graham and going out and preaching to hundreds of thousands. It's about just every day changing a little something with your reach, with your giving, with your Bible, with your prayer. Okay, so let me ask you, would you join me at the front, please? Stand, and if you're a first-time attender, let me just tell you, we like to close around front. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. Just come this way, if you will. We like to close with a final song or a final prayer, and we'd love to have you up front with us if you feel comfortable. As you're coming, let me tell you this one thing. Is, uh, you should have received an email this past week, late in the week, Thursday or Friday, with a little survey on it. And this is kind of to help us gauge, us leaders, the leadership of your church, gauge how well we're doing in helping you grow. Okay, so if you got that, please fill it out this afternoon if you haven't already. If you didn't get it, that's probably because we don't have your email address. And if you don't mind, if you would, please let, give that to us. You can send it to 476-2911, uh, text it to us there, or you can just drop it off. The, if, you, if, if you didn't get an email this week about that, then you either hadn't checked your email or we don't have your email address. So give it to us because this helps us gauge how well we're doing. We want to know that we're helping you grow. Okay, listen. Here's something that, that I've you know, just noticed over the past few years. It seems like... I don't want to say argument, don't even want to say debate, but there's been a lot of talk about, you know, about making the Bible relevant. And, you know, been like a lot of people say, you know, is the Bible relevant or not? Yes, the Bible is relevant. And, and people are, be, be amazed at how relevant the Bible is. Why, why would you be amazed that the Bible fits your life? I mean, like some of the things I say today, you know, and it's, you know, it's like bringing it to just into our lives. Why are we amazed that, you know, it's, it's like, you know, General Electric, whoever he was that created that, you know, that made that refrigerator or something, you know, that refrigerator breaks down and you go get the paperwork that General Electric gave you, you know, 
and that's how you work on it because he made it. Why would we not understand that the Bible, that is the word of God, the one who created life and gave it to us, that it would be relevant to our life? It is. It is. So, about, But here's the, th here's the place where it breaks down. It's not in the hearing. It's in the doing. You've got to do something with it now. From now on, every single day, ask God to help you make something different. Make a different, and even today, too. For instance, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, that could be your different thing to do today. That's the place to begin. So that he can be on your side when you're struggling. You say, okay, God, I'm going to focus on somebody else, let you handle my struggle. He says, do that. That's what Matthew 6 is all about. Okay, he says, do that, please. You know, serve somebody else. Let me handle your problems. You can do that once he becomes your Savior. Isn't it? And how easy is it? Three weeks ago, I shared a scripture with you, and I've been sharing it every Sunday just real quickly like this. Is it this easy that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, and then confess it with your mouth, tell somebody. Tell one of your friends. Tell your spouse. Or, or go back by the table. And just take out a piece of paper and write down, I believed today for the first time made my declaration that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is and drop it in that offering bag when you walk out the door. Just do, that's all it takes. And that begins the walk with Christ. And so that could be the, that could be the different thing that somebody does today.